Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Swineweb, Johnsonville Foods, Hypor Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm Matthew Rota, your host, and today we're joined by Rob Hannum to talk about the role of technology in transportation biosecurity. How are you doing today, Rob? Doing great, Matthew. Thanks for the opportunity. We uh, we actually ran into each other last week in the Le Fork show in Quebec. What was your takeaway from that show? Uh, it was great, uh, great event for us, uh, Le Pork show in Quebec City, and uh, there was you know, a number of producers from across Eastern Canada, both in Ontario and Quebec, who are there. Uh, but it's a different mood in the sector than it was a year ago, that's for sure. Yeah, and they, they do things pretty good. They had these interesting events. Uh, the end, they had like a celebration where you got all these tickets and they had some really good scotch. So that was nice. There was lots of great pork products to be consumed, which was enjoyable for sure. Yeah, that the the poutine with the pulled pork on it was pretty good. I agree. That was really good. They, uh, I was surprised there was a strike that was going on and it sounded like that actually kept a lot of people from the show because people needed to stay home and, and take care of kids since the schools went on strike as well. Yeah. Teachers were on strike there. There's a few different, uh, rotating strikes, I guess. So, so there's lots of labor issues going on these days in, in North America and, and elsewhere. Uh, it's quite an interesting time. So how did you get involved in the swine industry? What was your background and and how, how did the path to Farm Health Guardian uh, take place? Great. I've been lucky to work in agriculture my, my career. Grew up on a grain farm in Ontario and then worked in the crops sector, crop inputs like seed or, or uh, doing grain exports. And that was the first part of my career. And then, you know, about 10 or 12 years ago, started a consulting and marketing firm. And through that consulting work, it really exposed me to animal agriculture for the first time, like in a different way. Like my neighbor raises beef cattle and had and finishes some pigs. And so I'm familiar with the sector. But the consulting work in, you know, 2015 or 2018 really got me involved with understanding the risks we've got in the sector, how prevalent disease, you know, is and foreign animal disease or transboundary disease risks that we have in North America really opened my eyes. So in 2020, uh, we launched Farm Health Guardian, and we're a software technology company focused on biosecurity. And so that that prior knowledge of you know what risks we've got with livestock disease was a perfect precursor to launching Farm Health Guardian because it's a problem worth solving. And it's a thing where I, I think technology can help. What livestock sectors do you spend most of your time in? Swine and poultry is the focus. Okay. And I've really enjoyed learning the pig business. It's been, a, you know, I would say a relatively small sector. It's a tight-knit group and everybody seems to know each other. And that's on one hand as being new in the sector, that's a challenge. But 
but man, it's been very rewarding and the group is welcoming. Uh, you just need to earn your spot in the sector. It's a very interesting industry because of how big and global and impactful it is to day-to-day society, yet how tiny and uh, connected it is at the same time. It, you can travel the world and you'll still be within the same small circle. Yeah, I haven't traveled the world in pork yet, but uh, mainly focused in the U.S. and here in Canada. And it's been enjoyable and quite a learning. So we learn every day on the job and it's been great. What surprised you the most when you got into the pork sector? Gosh, surprised me the most. Um, I guess coming in in 2020, technology, software, the the pandemic was upon us. Um, I really expected we would move pretty quickly uh to adopt technology within the sector and i think that the sector does you know has adopted a lot of technology but the pace to adopt things is slower than i expected so coming from the crops sector uh even though it was an you know growing corn or soy or wheat like once a year people would make two or three changes a year and add new technology or update their combines or try new seed genetics. So I saw those changes pretty quick. And in the pig business, it's more of a longer term system. And I guess that's why you call them systems, right? Uh, so it it takes a little while longer to adopt a new technology. That's my biggest surprise. Yeah, with working with a lot of the venture capitalists or angel investors or strategic investment groups with a lot of these companies, it's been interesting to see their perspective as well in regards to rate of adoption. They'll be like, okay, when you look at technology and uh, and change, you've got consumer tech and health tech, and then you've got like uh, a thousand other industries, and then you have agriculture, and then you have crops, and then below that you have animal ag, and then way below that you have swine. Like that's the external perspective on um, innovation and what is investment ready and. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I had no idea that was that was the case until you start to get more in, involved. But as I think about it, like there's good reasons for that. Like number yeah. one, complexity. So these are complex systems. And you know that whenever you change one thing, there might be one or two or three unintended consequences. So everyone's pretty cautious to make any change, whether it's in nutrition, genetics, housing. Uh, just think of how long we're analyzing and figuring out, you know, housing and making changes there um so the second thing i would say is like the people impact like the people i see our customers we work with or the people i meet are spread thin they're doing more than they've ever done uh and and i guess some of the operations are getting bigger and bigger and the people are stretched more so that's another item so the the time cost to add to to learn a new technology or incorporate a new technology is a big factor. Uh, people just don't want to stop what they're doing now and take time to try something new, even if they might see or benefit from that in six months or a year. Uh, stopping today, what I'm doing to try that, that's a cost today. Yeah, um, yeah so complexity. And I get the third thing, like complexity, labor, and then risk. So just, you know, there's there's risk in new technology if it doesn't work. I think that's on us. I think that's our job is to get it proven, working, and then deliver and, and service the heck out of it to make sure it works for our customers. 
And I'll often point to healthcare because I think it's a good comparison. But on the opposite poles of that spectrum I listed, I mean, healthcare is considered one of the most funded and innovative, yet they have the labor constraints, the cost margins, uh, the same drivers. But the big difference is the amount of government assistance and third-party assistance that goes to that industry that you just don't see in agriculture. And so in a low-margin business, if if you make a mistake, it, it can mean everything. So right. yeah, I, great points. Yeah, I think that the folks that are operating in this sector today, um, they are still in this business for a reason. They've been shrewd. Um, they have weathered some storms and we're in the middle of one right now in, in the, with the pork uh, prices the way they are. And so the folks that are in the business today have seen that, they lived through it a couple of times and learned from that. And that also makes them a bit more cautious maybe. Um, but I'm okay with that. I think one of my favorite quotes is uh, an individual told me that if they ever had to go to war, they'd bring pork producers because those <laughs> those guys will live through anything is what they said. They're That's fighters. Good. That's good. So I have a couple uh, rapid fire questions for you. We're going to be changing some of these up. But if you could be an inst- if you could instantly become an expert at something, what would it be? Wow. Instantly an expert. Yeah. Um, I think it's got to be like outer space, aerospace, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be on Elon Musk next. Well, yeah. Next I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I found this one unique. I actually asked ChatGPT for a couple of them to figure out what it'd send me. And one of them it said is, what's the most unusual item in your fridge right now? The most unusual item in my fridge. Um <laughs> I think they're it's I'm pretty boring. I think it's pretty normal. We got some brie cheese. I got some V8 vegetable juice. I don't know. Uh, like the I V8, don't know what's the V8. You don't see it on shelves hardly anymore. That's got it. <laughs> there you be go. It. There you go. <laughs> if you could go to dinner with any historical figure, who would it be and why? Wow. Let's go Albert Einstein. We'll go way back in history. Or, you know, uh, let's pick a musician. Let's pick like Mozart or be some kind of classical musician from from the bygone era and just uh yeah, are you big complete. into music why why a musician i do like music for sure yeah that's one of my hobbies that i don't spend enough time doing i always say oh yeah i gotta make more time for that um but uh, yeah it's something i enjoy for sure kind of combines math and creativity when i think about it because uh, the way i think about music it it's it's pretty mathematical and the way it's laid out so what's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, I don't think anybody wants to hear me with karaoke. <laughs> if you could meet a fictional character in real life, who would it be? Fred Flintstone. Oh my goodness, that's a good one. I was thinking, I think the first thing that came to my mind, I don't know why, but the first thing it was Bugs Bunny. Hmm, there like, you go. Boom, Bugs Bunny. But uh, Awesome. So we also do this thing where we bring in uh, the pig news of the day. And I searched pig news for today. And what came up was four U.S. nationals are being charged $80 million for a pig butchering crypto scam. Do you know what pig butchering is? Uh, No. I had to look that up too. So pig butchering scams uh, resemble the practice of fattening a hog before slaughter. And in essence, they take victims... Uh, and get them to invest in supposedly legitimate virtual currency investment opportunities where the four they fatten it up and con them out of their money. Wow. <laughs> so that's what uh, pig butchering is in regards to a uh, 
an actual term. They're using I, our sector's name in vain. That's not, right? that's not an appropriate totally, use. I totally thought this was a crypto coin that had to do with like processing pigs or something. Yeah. And then I got into it and I saw nothing about pigs. So I had to figure out what pig butchering was. Yeah. So in regards to today's topic, can you talk a little bit um, about transportation biosecurity with me and and go into, you know, what seems to be the talk about transportation biosecurity lately? Great. Uh, so maybe just a bit of background, like with Farm Health Guardian, we've developed some That'd software that we use uh, that we can provide to systems, uh, farmers and food companies to help them improve biosecurity. So I always think about it from a technology standpoint. The I hear a lot more about biosecurity lately, like there's been some research projects related to the cost of truck wash or more efficient truck wash. Um, we hear a lot about wean to finish biosecurity being more important. And of course, there's lots of transportation in this in the pig business, right, moving from the different stages of production. So um, we know that trucks are important. We as a sector do a pretty good job with it. But I, I guess I see gaps emerging or um, whenever a customer starts to use our software, pretty frequently they come back maybe two weeks later and say, you know what, we're not quite as good as we thought we were. Uh, we've we've uncovered some some gaps in what they they thought was happening wasn't actually happening quite the way they they figured. And it's just a process. It's just a, a matter of like getting big over time, um, new people, maybe not trained properly, and the cost were especially in today's climate, right? We're trying to reduce cost as much as we can. We're questioning everything to see, do we need to keep doing this? Is it really paying back? What's the ROI for this work we're doing? Fair, good. You know, that's what we should be doing every day in our business to make it to make it stronger. Um, and so uh, there's lots going on. I, I find pressure, do we really need to do this? But at the same time, disease outbreaks have happened they get spread around uh, inadvertently by people or trucks too often. And and transport biosecurity is a big piece of fixing that. And there's a lot of added costs when it comes to an outbreak too, that at the end of the day, one outbreak can almost undermine all of your efforts to find a more costly way to get through a bad market. Totally. Like it's the last thing we need is for an operation to have a disease outbreak right now because you still need the labor to navigate it you still need all the resources to to wash and, and clean after it you divert a ton of energy and focus not to mention all the pigs that are dying and the time to repot it is it is a massive cost yeah so so transportation biosecurity is one of those things we've really focused on as a business and i've learned quite a bit about i was curious when i heard that you know a few podcasts ago you had dr kettle camp with swine vet center on and she's really keen on that topic and, and has developed some expertise in that and so i listened intently with that uh, because i thought it was good um and something that needs to be more top of mind is you know what are the best procedures for the actual wash disinfect dry um and then um are we always doing it when we think we're doing it and that's i guess that's where our software comes in so can you talk a little bit more about your software and and how you you tackle that sure um i guess the first point would be you know most of the operators have gps in their truck fleets today um, and, you know, not everyone, and that's not maybe every truck, but for the most part, 
we use GPS in our trucks um, for the logbooks or for the best route. Uh, so there's a data layer there of GPS data that we found a way to use for biosecurity compliance. So we link with the existing GPS that's already in the trucks. And if you've got two different truck fleets, let's say live haul trucks are on one system and feed trucks, maybe it's a different company and they use a different GPS system. We can still link with both of those systems and pull the data together. So we're collecting the, the GPS movement data. And then we've developed a configuration uh, system where whoever is in charge of animal health, the veterinarian or the farm owner, can configure their biosecurity program protocols right into the software and then be alerted if the truck doesn't follow the procedure. So we set up these rules in our systems. We say hey, we should you know, keep these trucks over in this group of farms and keep these trucks over in that group of farms and never the two shall meet. So if they do <laughs> go to the wrong spot for some reason, you can get an alert on your phone or a text message alert that says, hey, the equipment you dedicated in this flow or in this group of farms just crossed over. Uh, you might want to call the driver and see why, what's the reason and what precautions might have been taken. Can you talk through some of the success stories you've had? I'm assuming that there's been some pretty cool ones that you guys have been able to see or realize. Yeah, like we we detect breaches pretty much every week for the customers that we that we work with where they're getting alerts of you know this equipment didn't follow the truck wash procedure it was supposed to stop at a wash after it went to this type of farm and it's heading back to the feed mill and it didn't get washed and it should have so that's you know one example of a protocol uh, we've had examples where a customer came into their office a vet technician looking at the the software and says hey did that truck go to the right spot i don't know if that you know, got washed. So calls dispatch, the, uh, they phone the driver, they pull over and investigate. And sure enough, the truck wasn't washed. There was a communication breakdown uh. just between the folks working. Somebody had to leave early and thought it was washed or said it was washed and it wasn't. Driver comes in the next morning and was told it was clean. So he goes and uh, that wasn't the case. So human error happens. We're all busy. Uh, and the using data, we can now, you know, Find find those those errors, those exceptions, uh, and provide alerts on a real time basis so you can fix it before it's too late. Yeah, help yourself out. Give yourself some guardrails. Give it a little peace of mind. What about situations where you don't have GPS? Uh, great question. Um, we've we've got uh, uh, several different devices. We actually did a pilot project um, in you know, some cold parts of Western Canada over the past couple of years. And we tested five different technologies and different GPS devices. And we came down to three that we were satisfied with and we recommend. And uh, we've tested those on different trailers in hot and cold temperatures through truck wash and bake. So one's a brake light, replaces the brake light in the livestock or feed truck. It's got GPS built in. So oh, all of cool. a sudden, yeah, if you want to know where you're where your trailer is at, either just to know the exact location or to be able to track the biosecurity compliance, then you've got a, a GPS brake light. I'm, you can't see it in podcast land, but I'm holding up a, a round four inch uh, tail light. It's LED and it's got GPS built right into it. That so is that's cool. A, I never would have guessed GPS was in the tail lights. Yeah. So when the, tra when the trailer's parked, uh, there's a battery that operates in it. 
Um, and but the trailer's parked; it's not going anywhere. And as soon as you connect the truck, like the tractor, to it and give it power, then it's it's lighted; it's got power. So we get a really good signal. And every time the driver hits the brakes, it's charging that battery and giving it more life and better signal. So uh, uh-huh. it's been real, really successful for us. Um, and there's other devices too. If they don't fit a four-inch taillight, then we've got some other options. If it's like a manure hauler or manure trailer or spreader, and you want to know where those are, uh, the same thing can happen. So what are some of the bigger gaps that you're seeing that still exist or that uh, that really motivated you to get into this? The, uh, the first gap, I would say, just is visibility. Um, the The person in charge of animal health for a system. And the sweet spot for us is if there's over 40 farms working together in a loop or a system. If you've got, you know, two farms or five farms, you likely know every driver, it's your own truck, likely. Uh, You've kind of got it in your head and you're probably able to manage that or it's in a spreadsheet and, and there's good training with your team members. But for us, once you get you know thirty or forty farms working together in a supply chain with this you know the same hauler or a contract hauler, uh, it that's where software starts to to help. And of course, you know many of the systems we work with are larger than that, where there's a group with contract growers that can be dozens and dozens larger than that. So that's the biggest gap is vis- visibility. Whoever's in charge of animal health and may even own the inventory of pigs doesn't have visibility of the of all the different trucking companies that may be coming on to those sites at what times. Uh, and that's where software and GPS systems can help. And without, without consistent visibility, my guess is that companies might fight object permanence where when there hasn't been a problem for a while, it's already not visible. It might fall off of top of mind until sure enough, something bad happens. Uh, we're all trying to do more with less, right? So yeah. we've got, you know, um, we want to get the best use out of our truck. So we'll just run an extra load, even though it's supposed to have downtime. Um, or uh, I'm short on time. Uh, truck wash takes a while. Uh, we'll just maybe skip it this time because we've got a we got to get the load shipped, or we got to or hit a deadline. Didn't show up to work, and I got a load I have to do anyways. Yeah, exactly. So people, it like the shortage of people certainly doesn't help. That's true for all of your biosecurity, pro, you know, protocols. It's you got fewer people, you got less time for attention to detail, and that's I think that's a symptom of some of the issues we've we've had in the past few years here. So yeah, those are the you know, we, we have good intentions on Monday. We've got a good plan of the routes. Um, the vets approved it. We know, you know, the right protocol to follow. And by Tuesday, something's changed, right? There's a flat tire or a truck's not working or someone's not there, or there's a snowstorm, or there's a whole th- bunch of stuff that happens even a day later that may change the schedule. So then your team is making decisions based on their knowledge. And so we've got pros in position, right? We've got experts who've been doing this for 20 years or 30 years. They know it cold. We've also got new people and new drivers and Yes. And that's that training aspect of realizing how important this actually is. Doesn't always gets transferred down to each person that's that's making the decision to go or not or to use trailer A or trailer B. Yeah. And it's there's always going to be an element of risk management, right? Where people aren't going to show up. You're going to have to make decisions that probably break biosecurity, but at least then they're decisions you're aware of as opposed to a whole bunch of unintended, unknown things that are happening in the background. 
Bingo, for sure. So, so knowing about it, getting an, an alert or a message, it creates, you know, understanding that hey, we had to make a compromise today. Uh, but everyone knows that um, it gives you data that you can actually track, and so you don't forget how often you're making those um, those yeah. compromises or the or those exceptions. Um, I another you could audit yourself at the end of the year and say, okay, this is responsible for eighty percent of our compromises. Uh, should we really look at investing in maybe another person or something else so that we don't have to make this compromise anymore? Yeah, we we think of it in terms of a breach. Like you've okay the the system set up a protocol. Uh, this is our truck wash protocol, or this is our equipment. We're going to keep equipment separate. Uh, maybe it's by, you know, for sow barns versus finishers, maybe it's flow A and flow B, whatever. They've made a decision based on, you know, biosecurity to reduce that risk of disease spread. And then, you know, work happens and they might have to make changes to that. But like, we're a very data centric business. People do a good job with data. Like look at the, how well we manage or look at, I guess, and analyze whether it's, you know, feed conversion or mortality or pigs weaned like there's all kinds of data there's benchmarking people look at how am i shaping up against my competitors when it comes to biosecurity i don't think that's the case i don't think we're measuring did we follow our practices how well are we doing our management system provides that we provide data so you can objectively look at your biosecurity are we following the processes or not yeah, are you compliant or not? Because unless we know we're compliant, we really don't know what to start from. Yeah, so it gives you a way to look at it weekly or monthly or annually if you want or uh, uh, to, to analyze what's really happening uh, in addition to like real-time notifications. Yeah, are you strictly focused on the tr the truck side of trucking side of it or do you also get involved with barn access? Yeah, barn access is our other product uh, called Protocol. Uh, and so that's, we're just launching that out here in 2024. Oh, so, cool. so look for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're using the same brains in the software around downtime or around health status of different farms. And that's the same, you know, algorithms and, and math in the background for the trucks as it is for the people. And you can configure downtime different for trucks or for people within the software, but it's the same principle of really controlling you know, who, who's permitted, who's allowed to go into the barn and do they meet the protocols we've set? And again, there could be exceptions, but we're really getting, letting producers take control of their controlled entry. That's awesome. So when we're looking ahead around this idea of technology and biosecurity, what are some technology trends that you believe will have the most significant impact on transportation biosecurity over the next decade? Uh, I think machine learning uh, would be yeah. where I would go. Uh, I hear a lot of people talk about artificial intelligence, and I honestly don't really know if I understand the term. Uh, <laughs> but I understand the term machine learning a little bit. We're teaching the machine, you know, what's right or what's wrong. And that's going to lead us down a path. I think um, where we're headed, for example, is like predictive analytics. And we've started some research projects because we've got enough, you know, customer base built up and and working through that, that we can really apply predictive analytics for a specific disease to the movements of a system or of a farm and eventually, you know, develop predictor tools. And there's so many ways that machine learning is going to help our sector. Um, if I think of the the animal husbandry knowledge 
of the barn workers today might not be, you know, especially new workers that are just learning the sector that might not be where it was 20 years ago. Uh, But we can use data uh, and and these and new technologies and there's lots of technologies being developed whether it's precision feeding or ventilation automation all of these things will have a huge impact on the sector and just it's it's pretty efficient already and there's more yet to come yeah and i don't know what your thoughts on this are but when you think about machine learning or artificial intelligence typically it's taking a data set that is learning from gets to know you fairly intimately and then from that can tell you what it or you should expect into the future. If a producer is not measuring their biosecurity, nor the compliance or responsiveness to events, whether you want it when it comes out or not, you're you're kind of late to the party, right? Because you kind of it's kind of a one step, one step, two step, three. You can't just jump in with AI with no prior data and hope to be just blown away successful with all of these prescriptive analytics, right? I, yes, I agree. I would say every farm, big or small, is on a technology journey. Yep. It's not an if you'll adopt new technology, it's when. It's are you going fast or are you going slow? <laughs> so um, we're all on a technology journey. Every You are your business, I'm our business, any, any of the producers, independent or systems that we deal with, they're all on a technology journey. And it's just how fast are you going and how much are you investing now? I fully agree that the data set you build up for your own operation at a site or barn level is the future of being able to have machine learning help you optimize that. And if you wait five more years and then start, you'll need to start collecting that data and then apply the algorithms. Like if you're, I know it's easy to say that, it's harder to always do that, but there's a bit of tech investment that that's needed in terms of learning things. You need Um, a foundation. If you don't have a foundation to build from, then when all this really impactful stuff happens, you're going to have to figure out how to innovate decades worth of information within a year or two. Yeah, Maybe not decades. Yeah, <laughs> you would. Um, I, I guess I would say uh, if you haven't started yet, really think about you know where is your first step and get started because you're on the journey whether you like it or not. Yeah, and it's just how fast do you want to go? Um, and the slower you go, the more you might have like a common algorithm or uh, standard settings from a equipment supplier uh, to use, but you wouldn't maybe have the history for your particular sites or your particular barn or or the way you like to raise raise livestock. So um, there's always a way to get in, but I just recommend you're on the journey, so you might as well make the most of it and start sooner. I'm sure you're familiar with this, but uh, it kind of makes me think about, uh, I was talking with a producer and they were like, um, talking about how much inbound there is on, hey, you should try this technology, or you should try this technology in this way. And uh, the the word said was, I mean, you guys don't understand how much how much is coming in. And it's kind of funny because even from my role and probably your role, the amount of inbound calls and sales emails and things that that I get of, oh, you need to be applying AI to your CRM or you need to be doing this, that. I think every company, regardless of whether or not a producer or somebody helping a producer or a packer, um, there's no shortage of ideas on how technology or any of that can impact your business. And it's just a matter of figuring out what has the highest impact. 
we're all bombarded with new ideas and yeah. the, the trick is really sorting through which are the most impactful ones for me and my business and where should I start? Do you have a process for how you think about that? I guess the right answer would be yes, but I don't <laughs> top of mind. No, like I, I do like to, to think of things strategically. We've got like goals, specific goals set out. Uh, so I think when you have a strategic plan and I, and I've had the pleasure of working with a number of farm families to develop business plans. Um, I ran a farm business training course for five years, had over 200 farm families go through that. And it was so rewarding. And I guess what I'd say to them at the time was, you know, having a strategic plan, like you've got a strategic plan. It's just, it just might be in your head. You might not have it written down, but if you actually like talk to your spouse, talk to your kids, your hired man, and get some of those ideas out on paper. And maybe you only do that once a year, but it actually forces you to kind of communicate. I don't know about you, but when I talk about something, it helps me organize my thoughts. And, and then once you've got your thoughts organized, you can make decisions much quicker about what help just naturally yeah. because you have thought about your strategy, you know where you're going, what are my goals this year? Is it feed conversion? Is it animal health? Is it genetics? Is it, you know, reducing disease pressure, whatever your your personal marketing price, whatever your goals are you're trying to achieve, you'll just naturally filter out the stuff that doesn't matter. It'll be easier to see the things that will help you and discard the things quickly that you don't that aren't you're not going to focus on this year so having that strategy helps you filter out what is worth looking at or returning the phone call on yeah we put ours down and then every every two weeks we actually meet as a team and go over things that have been going on but we'll almost almost look at it like a set of values for the year and then has any new set of information change the way we need to look at this and we just we challenge it on a bi-weekly basis and usually nothing changes but uh i think by doing that it helps us become flexible when something hits us that we didn't expect uh, what about a golden nugget uh outside of transportation biosecurity and thank you for sharing where you're coming from how you're seeing it the future and opportunities that are headed our way and for all the time and resources that you've poured into developing a solution that is going to likely be extremely helpful for this industry. What's a golden nugget, a bit of, of wisdom that you've learned along the way in your career and in life that you can share with listeners? I'm a continuous learner. I love taking courses. I try to take a course every year. I try to learn something every day from the teammates I work with or the customers we serve. So learning like and how do you learn? You listen, you ask questions and listen. Uh, and so I'm not afraid to sort of share my two cents either for what it's worth. Uh, and so that helps get a conversation going. But I quickly want to just sit back and listen and ask more and learn and learn. And I've, you know, learned quite a bit about uh, the swine business in the past three years. And and thanks to those who've helped, who are helping me to learn it. Uh, and so that's my golden nugget is listen and learn. It's, it's a great, great thing for your career and for your life. So from that, if you had one question, you could ask the industry and get a true, genuine, honest, uniform answer. You know what question you'd ask? Hmm. It's a tough one. Yeah, I I don't know about one specific question. Uh, the things rolling through my mind are like one of the key questions I like to 
to ask is if if we're about to make a change or we're looking at decisions, I, I always think about like, well, what do you want to be different in the future? Mm-hmm. Like compared to today, do I want to have, you know, more of this or less of that? What do I want it to feel like when I get to my farm operation uh, or my my processing business or whoever, whatever your, your business is? So what do I want to be different at and pick a point in time, right? Is it two years from now? If we were sitting down and we were having this conversation, Matthew, two years from now, maybe we should set a date for a future podcast. There we go. What would you want to be true for you to be happy about your progress? And that, you know, to me, that's a, you know, a great, great starter question. So um, I don't think I've got the, the end all and be all question for the sector. There's so many cool things happening. There's new technology developments like we've talked about. There's new genetic uh, developments coming uh, and new new science in that area. That's, you know, those are both just just those two things are really going to propel the sector in new ways uh, that we we can't even some of us can't even imagine um, in yeah. you know, what it will be like in five years. So lots of exciting stuff happen. I guess I would just say, what do you want it to be different and if you were to look back, what would have to be true for you to be happy about your progress? It's a really good question. I think I think from my side, when you asked that two-year question, my mind went up to that. I think the next two to five years are going to be defined by awareness. I think that our industry is going to go through a, a renaissance of awareness, awareness of what we're doing with biosecurity, awareness of what our people are doing in the farms, outside the farms, uh, awareness of, of what you know, the, the consumer is actually going to be driving. Um, I think we're going to become very self-aware around where we stand and have a real opportunity to either invest further in what we're doing today or repos- re- steer the ship in another direction and, and go another, another way. But how would yeah. you define the next five years if there was a... Yeah, I think it's pivotal. And those two trends, like the digital technology space that you and I are are in, and there's many others, uh, and then the gen- genetic space uh, and yeah. the advancements. Like when I look and I read like a newsletter from our customer now about pigs born per litter, and I compare that to, you know, 10 years ago or so, huge, huge differences in progress, right? And, and so in that area, whether it's disease tolerance or resistance or other other productivity things there's amazing progress still to come uh in this sector so super excited about that i think one of the key things and you talk about it on your podcast often uh is about the consumer perception around the product uh, yep. and i think we can't we can't lose sight of that um that making sure the right we you know the consumer is getting the right marbling or the right cuts or flavor profile that they that they want i think is the real key to success for us here because we've got a great thing going uh but but likely missed opportunities compared to the other animal proteins and so i think that's going to be pivotal for us as a sector or individual companies and processors as well to to figure out and and really propel us forward well, thank you, Rob, for being a guest on the Popular Pig Podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on and I uh, wish you the best. Hopefully 2024 is a good year for you and everybody else in the industry. Yeah, thanks so much, Matthew. And, and thanks to everyone uh, listening. Good luck in 2024. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.